On the virtual Bible study tonight, we've got a special program. This is the first time ever. We're going to try to do a, a live mini-debate on the air tonight. We've got two ready and able participants, and we're going to discuss, I think, a really important question in people's mind is the self-defense issue. Can a Christian act in his own self-defense? And even maybe to the point of using lethal force to defend himself. It's, a, it's a, an important question, and we've got two able men who are going to talk to us about that. And on both sides of the issue. Right. And so you'll want to stay tuned. It's going to be a very informative discussion. We're looking forward to it. It's going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-3-8-1-4-5-6-7, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, uh, January the 17th, 17th yes. 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is there. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Kyle's behind the control tonight getting a workout. Kyle, we're glad that you're here. And uh, well, we got a lot of wires to connect A lot tonight. of wires to talk tonight and a lot of things to talk about, so we'll make our introductory comments very brief. But just remind our listeners about a special service coming up. This weekend, Saturday and Sunday next, at college. Next no, weekend. Next, excuse me, not this Saturday, but a week from this Saturday and Sunday. So it's the 26th and 27th. Special weekend series with Kevin. Clark here at College View, and we want to encourage everybody who's within a driving distance to join us. Information about that is on our homepage at collegeview.com. All right, now to the main event for tonight. We have two uh, special guests with us. Rodney Hampton's joining us from, uh, I think, Athens, Alabama, Rodney? And, yes. Uh, and Keith Hamilton is joining us from uh, over around Swanee, Swanee, Tennessee, Mount Eagle area. Yeah, and so uh, we're glad that both of them are on with us tonight. Tell a little bit about the format we're going to use, Jacob. All right, so we're going to start tonight with a 15-minute discussion. Uh, Rodney's going to get, present his view for 15 minutes. We'll take a short break, and then when we come back, Keith will present his view for 15 minutes. We'll take another short break. When we get done with that, we're going to go... Probably about 10 minutes apiece with each uh, gentleman again so they can answer the previous uh, presentation's arguments and maybe ask each other questions about their view. And then towards the end of the program, we'll have time for our listeners to join in with their questions. And a really good way for you to get those questions in, if you want, if you, as you're listening, if you hear something and you want to ask a question, type it in the chat room. Uh, we'll also try to watch our email inbox at collegeview, questions at collegeview.com. All right, so to set it up uh, for our, our listeners tonight, Rodney uh, believes that no force can be used to defend yourself. Keith is on the other end of the spectrum who believes that you can use force up to and including lethal force to defend yourself. And so we've got a, a good representation here of the different views on the subject. And so we thought it'd be great for them, uh, to bring them on so they can both present their view and then our listeners can study along and determine what they believe the Bible teaches on this important subject. So thank you both for being here and for being willing to talk and taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight. Rodney, we'll start with you and give you the floor. you got 15 minutes, 15 Rodney. 15 minutes, go. Rodney. All right. Well, first of all, I'd like to welcome all that are logged on for tonight's Bible discussion. I'd like to thank Keith 
Jacob and uh, Greg for this opportunity to discuss the issue and present my understanding of this most important topic. Let me begin by saying that I believe that there are sincere people on both sides of the issue. I believe that Keith is sincere in his understanding of the topic. So motives from my viewpoint are not in question. Given that there's lots of emotion involved in this particular topic, and rightfully so, because it involves the safety and welfare of our family members and our fellow man. Now, that being said, as with all Bible topics, I exhort you and I to uh, have enough faith and dedication to set our emotions aside and be determined to accept only what the Word of God says. We must give diligence to find the truth on this topic, and when we do, we need to accept it. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, as you and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And in Second Timothy chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, we find that all scripture is inspired of God, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished to every good work. So it's the truth, the scriptures, that we will be trying to use tonight to express our position clearly, I hopefully. Let me state from the outset and maybe make an admission, I believe that most everyone to some degree uses defensive actions and strategies. The question before us, however, is whether or not uh, one can uh, use lethal force or cause bodily harm to another individual in defense of himself uh, or others. I think by way of introducing this topic and my position, uh, I recently went through active shooting training and uh, to be brief, the speaker emphasized three actions. The first was, in the event of an active shooter, you could flee. That'd be the first thing. If you can get away, run. Secondly, if you could not flee, uh, the second strategy he emphasized would be to hide. And thirdly, if all else fails, he said, to fight, to grab whatever you can to harm, injure, maim, stab, whatever you can do to stop the perpetrator. It dawned on me that from what I understand the scriptures to teach, that only two of those are authorized, and that would be to flee and to hide. Before I set out to show why, book, chapter, and verse, but why I believe only two are authorized by God, and in essence, why I believe it to be wrong, to do bodily harm, use deadly force in defense of ourselves and others, even in an active shooter situation. I would like to mention three very quickly points that we will not be discussing. I don't think there's a question of who loved their families the most. I think most Christians do the best they can to raise and protect and defend their children and I, for the most part, I think Christians endeavor to do a good job. Neither do I think what the kingdoms of earth authorizes should take precedence over what God says. Uh, for the most part, we know they are 
ministers of God, according to Romans 13. But for the most part, they're just wicked men making wicked decisions. Uh, they believe in abortions, uh, lynchings, mercy killings, genocide. For them, uh, they're just wicked men, and we do not hold the position that uh, don't place a lot of weight on what they actually say. It's the word of God that we're concerned about. And the final thing that we won't be discussing, and I actually believe this is one of the mistakes that brethren on the other side make, is that uh, we must emphasize we're not under the law of Moses. And uh, most of the justifications that I've seen uh, really stem from Old Testament uh, teachings, God's information for physical Israel, uh, even in uh, areas of self-defense. So I'd like to get into the core of why I believe uh, that lethal force, physical harm uh, in self-defense would violate the teachings of Christ, his disciples, and of course, uh, the apostles. I'd like to suggest that Jesus is our perfect example on self-defense. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. I'm confident Jesus knows what it's like as he lived here on the earth and went through the temptations that we do, that he understands uh, what the temptations of uh running into robbers or the threats of men harming you uh, out when you're out and about, maybe for religious purposes. But the point is he can sympathize with us uh, and serves as a great example of how to handle these uh, situations. First, Peter goes further and explains that uh, beginning in verse 21, for this you were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus, when he was suffered, it goes on to say he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That's the approach that I believe that Christians should take when they're threatened uh, with harm. The principle uh, I'll be emphasizing, especially as it relates to Jesus Christ, is found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, where it states there, that because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. So it's not that Christians were afraid to suffer. It's not that Christians uh, feel uh, a lot of times intimidated by evil and wicked men. But Peter and Jesus taught and practiced that when we suffer, like, for instance, Peter uses the illustration of a servant uh, being mistreated by his master and even beaten. And the point there, Peter was making that he should take that patiently. He says, now, if you suffer for doing wrong, there's no credit for that. But if you suffer while doing evil, I mean, excuse me, while doing good and take it patiently, Peter says, now that's commendable to God. And again, I would like to point out that that is a secular situation there. That's not even talking about suffering for righteousness sake. That's just Jesus tells 
servants how to behave. Now, he says not only to the good, but to the froward or to the harsh and to take it patiently, to suffer if you have to and commit yourself to God. Now, Jesus being our uh, good example on self-defense, I'd like to hurriedly run through some of his teachings and his uh, words on self-defense, his actions on self-defense. And I'd like to point out as I go to kind of keep a running list of options and strategies, reactions to violence, persecutions and sufferings, because these are the things that we would actually have authority for. If we can see Jesus practice it, if we can see Peter practice it, if we can see Paul practice it, we'd be authorized to do it, assuming like it was uh, an approved example. And of course, Peter, when he cut off Malchus's ear, that certainly wouldn't approved. It actually was rebuked. And we'd need to note that, that that's not something we ought to do. But be that as it may, let me run through Jesus's teaching on self-defense. In John chapter 18 and th- verse 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I've heard, brethren, and even uh, I believe that Keith holds this view, they argue that Jesus is expressing here that Jesus, the kingdom, didn't advance through military might. But that's not what this passage says at all. What this passage says in his argument or discussion, excuse me, with uh, Pilate, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight and listen to this, that I might not be delivered to the Jews. See, my servants would fight not to deliver me to the Jews. That's got nothing to do with advancing the cause of Christ. That's all theorizing, percolating, uh, guessing. It's historical readings from men is what it is. That passage says absolutely nothing about advancing the cause of Christ with military might. Jesus tells Pilate, I'm not here before you. If if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight that I would not be delivered to the Jews. Uh, Jesus goes on and teaches on self-defense when he says in Matthew 5, verses 38 and 42, where he taught not to resist an evil person. He says, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Here, uh, brethren will say, well, now that has nothing to do with uh, self-defense, Rodney. That's talking about, and they start theorizing. Well, what does eye for an eye mean? Jesus said, you've heard it said. Moses taught eye for an eye. You know what an eye for an eye involved? It was a criminal criminal action, violent crimes, a tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye, burn for burn, skin for skin, life for life. Violent crime is the, is the context of the whole thing. Uh, but you'll hear brethren come along and say, no, really, uh, what that meant was that's a personal insult. You'll hear stuff like that. The scriptures say nothing about uh, a personal insult there. Jesus said, if somebody hits you in the face, turn the other cheek. And we can prove that by what Luke said. Luke said, if someone strikes you on the face, Luke doesn't mention the right side. But you'll hear them. Just listen carefully to the theorizing about uh, trying to force this idea of uh, 
that violent crime isn't included in this command of Jesus to turn the other cheek and not to resist an evil person. Jesus also taught on self-defense when he said uh, that we ought to love our enemies. You shall lo- you've heard it said you love your neighbor and hate your enemy in Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 43. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Rodney, that I, you need, may be this- I need to give yes. you a three-minute warning. Okay, that's good. I'm going smoothly. All right. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Now, but Jesus taught on love your enemies, and brethren, again, they'll come along and say, well, now this doesn't have anything to do with a robber, Rodney. Well, uh, how much more can you be, how much more is an enemy uh, to society, to everyone? There, uh, uh, if, if you were to take Strong's number 2190, enemy, Mr. Strong says it's a noun, it's an adversary, an enemy, a foe. Thayer's Greek-English lexicon says it's a person to whom one is hostile, the hostile one. Uh, uh, so you tell me. Is an enemy not the hostile one? I mean, the one, the the family at home isn't the hostile one, but but your enemy, the one that is hostile, he's certainly found in that verse. But you listen to brethren try to theorize and get this thief out of these verses because it holds up this whole idea that you can uh, protect your family, kill. people in the name of self-defense because they argue the thief isn't your enemy. That's not talking about that. They say the thief isn't an evil person. I mean, uh, he's talking about a personal insult. Who can believe it? Jesus taught on self-defense when he taught that a man can lay down his life for his friends. Now, I'd like for Keith and all of y'all to listen to this. This position doesn't advocate sitting around doing nothing. You'll hear that. And I think that's the devil's ploy just to prejudice audiences uh, by sitting back and doing nothing. Jesus and Paul and all of them, they ran, they hid, they were let down in baskets, they escaped through the crowds. So they called the cops, Paul did, in Acts So there's a lot of things that we can do. And uh, I asked and I posed to the audience, uh, you know, for every tragedy that we might have where a robber or a school shooting, a church shooting, you've got thousands of Christians going about their daily lives, praying, trusting in God and making it just fine. So I would uh, plead with you not to buy into these scare tactics to use the strategies that God has laid down for us and uh, go from there. Right. But Keith, I've got to call time on you. Um, all right, Ryan, fair enough. I'll we'll get some more thoughts yeah. from you here in a minute. But, I'll uh, pick up there. Yeah, Thank we're going to take a break. Uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to get Keith Hamilton's uh, arguments on the other side that uh, resisting and fighting up to and including lethal force would be authorized from the scriptures. We'll get a quick, short break, and we'll get that on the other side. Stay tuned. We'll continue right after this. 
You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in His Word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we listen to a debate or discussion about self-defense. On to Keith Hamilton now. Uh, Keith, uh, go ahead and get started. We'll give you 15 minutes. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Greg and Rodney. Uh, And I thank you for this opportunity. And it's a great service you guys are are, uh, are providing and, and appreciate this chance to be able to share with people in the listening audience. Rodney and I have uh, had these discussions before. I want people to understand that even though we're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum with regards to this issue, that he and I have a congenial relationship uh, at at all, and we've been able to have uh, cordial and gentlemanly discussions, and I think that that's what needs to happen. This is an important issue for uh, for many reasons. I've told people that I had to discuss and study this subject probably more with people over the last couple of years than I have in the last uh, 30 years. And uh, we had uh, an incident that happened in Antioch, Tennessee, not too far from where we where we are. And uh, it was a, a young man who uh, went to the congregation there in Antioch for the purpose of killing everybody in the uh, in the church building. And I think that that sparked a lot of the discussions, especially with churches here in uh, in Tennessee and what churches can do to uh, to defend uh, themselves. And of course, we see uh, you know the violent actions, uh, not just at that level, out in society. Uh, threats against ourselves as persons, our homes, etc. But uh, over the years, uh, I've tried to say, in trying to define self-defense, people see an extreme or one end is is the extreme where folks believe they cannot do anything. They they are uh, are complete pacifists. Where I first ran into this was uh, back years and years ago when I lived in Pulaski, I was good friends with a bunch of the traditional uh, Amish Mennonite people there. And uh, one of the families that I was friends with, one of the people in the community there, someone broke into their home and uh, raped one of the daughters of the of a man there. And he didn't do anything. Uh, and I talked to a, a good friend of mine. I said, I said, why did this man, why did he sit back? And he said, well, you don't understand our, our, our position. We, we are taught that we're not to resist evil. And that was the first time I had heard, heard, uh, heard that word. He said, we, we don't believe we can do anything that's harmful 
uh, to to anyone. And uh, and I'll and then of course I've had discussions with uh, other people in denominations as well as our uh, our brethren. So on one end of the spectrum, you have people who will do nothing. They they won't lift a, a, a finger. Uh, they, they won't. They say we can't do anything to hurt someone. Then on the other end of the spectrum is of course uh, a person using lethal force. But there's a lot of things, and as Roddy suggests, there's a lot of things we can do uh, in in between, uh, and and often, and and as a as a Christian, I believe that depending on the circumstance or the situation one might find themselves in, um, that you know that that whole gamut of opportunities or things that a person might might do. Um, I've had discussions with uh, with preachers who disagree with me on this. And uh, with people who believe in the pacifist philosophy, um, and I won't call it Christian uh, pacifism, I'll just call it the pacifist philosophy because I believe it has its roots in uh, philosophy and not in the Bible, the Lord's teachings or the early New Testament uh, teachings. And uh, these uh, brethren and preachers, you know, they'll say, don't talk about the Old Testament. Don't talk about the Old Testament. We're, we're not under the Old Testament. Okay, well, I, well I'm not. Uh, we'll stay away from the Old Testament, even though when one looks in the Old Testament from the very beginning in the patriarchal dispensation of time with uh, Abraham and the mosaical dispensation of time, it's very apparent that God's people picked up arms to uh, defend themselves and their family. And, and in some instances, weren't just being defenders, they were the aggressors. And I do not believe that we as Christians can be uh, aggressors. Um, we're, you know, I've been accused of, of, of teaching that uh, Christians can pick up a, a, a weapon and try to, to force Christianity down people's throat at the point of the sword. That's um, that that's nothing further from the truth. What I'm what I'm trying to show folks is that when you look in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, that there are some divine principles that uh, allow us as Christians to understand that we can defend uh, our ourselves now l- let me present these three principles as I if uh, if I can Paul told us in Romans 12:18 as much as possible um, as much as life in you live at peace with all all men where to do where to do that but unfortunately some people will not allow us to uh, live at, at, at peace they're they're criminals they are uh, our, our aggressors. Uh, what what can a Christian do in a situation if they were to find themselves being the victim of a uh, of a a criminal? Well, I believe that there are three principles. I call them call them laws, just for the sake of, of delineating these things. Uh, but the first is the uh, the law of nature. We learn from nature good things. Uh, Paul asked a question to the brethren at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 14, does not even nature itself uh, teach you? Uh, and so we, we asked the question, why, why do we bring, uh, bring that up? Well, we're to learn from, from nature, and what can we learn from nature about, uh, about this? And is it indeed a biblical principle? I believe that it is uh, one. The, the brethren at Rome, when Paul wrote to them, he talked about the Gentiles 
and how they made the mistake of not learning about God from nature in Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 23. And then later over in Romans 2 and verse 14, he commended the Gentiles uh, because they followed the law. They learned about the law of God from, uh, from nature. Well, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 1, and in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul condemns the Gentiles of his day and age for not having natural affection. And I want to talk about natural uh, uh, affection for just a moment, if, as I, um, if I can. Let's talk about the definition of natural affection. Natural affection, they were without natural affection, meaning they were devoid of natural or instinctive affection without affection to kindred. That's the definition of natural affection. It's the natural love that the creator, the God, has put in all of his uh, creation for their own young. And uh, I have used this passage of Scripture before in talking to about, against abortion, uh, how that when a, a woman who would kill her own young, kill her own children, that that's... That's because they have lost this natural affection that the Apostle Paul speaks of. And he's, he speaks of it in a positive way. And we need to understand that it's a bad thing when people do not have natural affection. Now, some people have ridiculed that point and said, well, you know, you, you have some, uh, I, I think Brother Roddy, some of the brother down in Alabama, when I brought this point up before, uh, talked about a praying man that's eating their, her own young. Well, that's unnatural. That's not natural, uh, natural affection. Natural affection is a, a, a mother who will fight to defend her uh, young from aggression. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 23 and verse 37, Jesus gives us an example whenever he talks of, uh, there and he compares himself to a hen. In, in my writings, I, t- I use the example of a hen and a bear. And uh, Jesus uh, uses the example of himself as a hen. Jerusalem, I, I would have, you know, gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks or, or her, uh, her chickens and talking about that protective motherly instinct that God has put in his creation. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 13, in verse 8, uh, there God compares himself whenever he's talking about the people of Israel and how they had uh, gotten away from him from idolatry, and he's planning on bringing judgment to them. God compares himself to a she-bear who is bereaved of her wealth. And uh, and so you have both Jesus uh, referring to using the principle of natural affection, and Matthew and, and Hosea, you have God referred to there, about a, a she-bear who protects her young. Well, that instinct that uh, God has pre-programmed in uh, all of his uh, creation uh, is also true for human beings. A mother of bear instinctively will take care of her young, and a woman uh, should have natural affection, and as part of that natural affection, that, that if we understand how uh, an, an animal uh, has a right to protect this young from harm, then we would obviously think that some human being would have the uh, same right. 
when we when we look at the the New Testament, we see uh, a law of of preservation. Um, brother Brother Hampton refers to uh, Jesus talking about self defense, and every passage of Scripture that he quotes where he's talking about Jesus talking about self defense has absolutely nothing to do with self defense and Jesus. And none of those passages of Scripture are dealing with self-defense circumstances or situations. Uh, there's four places, actually, where Jesus does talk about self-defense. Uh, one is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Uh, other is in uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 27. And the other is in Luke chapter 11 and verse 21, where Jesus in all those passages of Scripture is making an analogy using self-defense. He says, when a strong man keepeth his arm, excuse me, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Now, the fourth place that Jesus uses this is in Matthew chapter... I need to give you a three-minute warning, Keith. Okay, in Matthew 24... In verse 43, where he says, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered the house to be broken up. And so there you have uh, three instances, four instances, where Jesus is talking about a, a man standing in his house, armed to fend, and Jesus uses those analogies in a positive way. And then the fourth principle I want to talk about, excuse me, the third principle that from the New Testament, is the law of uh, of love? Uh, we're to love our enemies. That, that's right. We're we're to love all all mankind. And so it's not a matter of love. You know, you love your family. Or I love my family. Or you don't love your family. That, that brother Ronnie was right when he said it's not a matter of who loves their their family more. It's a matter of do we love the criminal more than we love our family. We're, we're not to love our family more than we love God. The Bible shows there's different degrees of love for individuals. We love God more than we love our family. I love my family more than I love some criminal. I love my brethren the same way the brother up in Antioch defended his brethren by, attack, by fighting the criminal who came in the building there, determined to kill everybody uh, in, the, uh, in that uh, church building. As the head of my household, as the head of my household, I'm responsible for feeding and caring for and protecting my family. So these principles, these three principles in the New Testament are imply, imply that I have the right to stand my ground uh, and defend myself from criminal assault. I'm not talking about uh, you being, you know, uh, for persecution or any of those things. I'm talking about a criminal with the intentions of doing uh sodomizing my family members, killing them, killing me, or killing other uh, innocent people. Uh, if we get more time, I want to uh, address some some other things and all, but just very hurriedly, uh, I, I want to uh, make all this detailed information that I've got available to your listening audience, and we can discuss that later. All right, we'll do that towards the end. Uh, thank you for your, your comments, Keith. We're going to get a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go back to Rodney and give Rodney some more time to answer some of Keith's arguments, maybe ask Keith some questions directly. 
and then we'll do the same for Keith. And then we're going to get your questions on the other end of the line tonight. So get, keep those uh, questions in mind. Maybe go ahead and send them in the chat room now. Or email. We've got our email inbox open, and we also are watching the chat room. If you got a question that you want to pose to these men at the last segment of our program, get those, get those written down right, for us. We'll get a quick break, and we'll continue. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're changing up the rules a little bit in the middle of the game here, but we're, we're running short on time. So we're going to change this segment. We're going to give Rodney five minutes to answer Keith to talk, and then we'll give Keith five minutes, and then that will give us a little bit more time for our listeners to, to join in with their questions. So go yeah, ahead and be so sending those in send in the Send your chat questions room. in now so we can get it to and, these and, men. And email. All right. So, Rodney, go ahead. Five minutes. All right. I think what I'd like to do is just ask the audience to test what I've said. When Jesus said, uh, bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you see keith says these verses have nothing to do with self-defense you be the judge look at the passages you tell me when you pray for someone that persecutes you that's not a strategy that prayer is worthless that prayer doesn't work Prayer doesn't defend and help the Christian. Uh, who can believe it? And take a passage like where Jesus says to love your enemies. Or Jesus says, whoever slaps you, uh, Luke says, whoever hits you on the face, turn the other cheek. And that's not a, that's not talking about self-defense, how to deal with being personally attacked or hit in the face. Uh, that's the definition of self-defense. Now, uh, they may not like the strategies that Jesus gave, you know, but it's certainly self-defense. It's certainly a strategy. And I maintain we can't be concerned with what the governments want or what macho men want. We actually have to appeal to the scriptures. Now, Jesus further said, uh, and this is for dads. Uh, somebody, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends. That's a self-defense verse. A, a, a dad can always get in between the attacker. I mean, somebody, you could let your uh, children, uh, wife, out the window, out the back door, but you can put yourself in harm's way. And, and no greater love. See, 
And Keith says, oh, that's not a self-defense verse. You know, oh, that, that, there's only four of them. You know, are you kidding me? To lay down your life for your family in a self-defense when you're being attacked? Uh, you be the judge. Jesus says you can pray for them while they're hurting you. Now, brethren, mock at this one. You know, they say this is a do nothing. Well, look at what Jesus did when he was attacked. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, okay, uh, what is that? A, a sissy? What is that? A sit back and do nothing? Uh, and Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He nailed down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge this uh, with this sin. And somebody said, oh, there's no, that's not a self-defense verse. Are you kidding me? That's how you get to heaven. Now you pull out a gun and blow somebody's head off. Uh, now that's what you have to show. We need that verse, you see. 60 seconds, Rodney. Jesus says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In verse, Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, beware of men. In, in Matthew 10, verse 17, isn't that a self-defense verse to be cautious out there when you're in the field, to watch out where you're going? Uh, uh, when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. Matthew 10, 23. Is that not a self-defense strategy to get out of harm's way, to run? Jesus didn't say sit there and take it. Jesus says flee to another. So uh, it's just uh, a false argument to claim that people like myself are claim we're sit back and do nothing strategists uh who can believe it we've given a lot of strategies again brethren don't want to accept these plain teachings that we all can understand uh but i would ask you to test keith's four verses these parables that's got a spiritual meaning and he's taken them and, and given them uh, literal physical meanings. Because uh, if we did that, I've got a parable that says uh, if the master finds a wicked servant to cut him in two. Well, can you do that? Does that authorize the Christian to cut him in two? And you can answer that. Uh, you be the judge. We need to look for the spiritual meaning in parables and not uh, go and grab out the swords and the goodmen and the fighting. That's not the meaning of the parable in the first place. All right, Rodney, thank you. Uh, Keith, five minutes. Okay, thank you. Uh, again, I guess Rodney's having trouble understanding the definition. I'm trying to put things and all. And the, the point is about criminal assault. That's what we're, we're, we're dealing with when I talk about self uh, self-defense. I want to get down to, you know, Luke chapter 22, Jesus told his disciples to go buy swords. And we can deal with that maybe uh, some other uh, other time. But I, I, I tried to get Ronnie to give me a, a some specific definition of some some things that he that he believes a Christian can do in a criminal assault situation. So I've got a question. He says we can do no bodily harm Nobody harm to someone. Harm means physical injury, especially that which is deliberately inflicted, injury, hurt, or pain. Here's a question. Can a Christian woman 
who is grabbed from behind by a would-be rapist and killer, stomp on the top of his foot, a non-lethal action, with her heel a defensive move to force him to free her so she can escape. Is she a sinner or an innocent? Just answer the question without a long explanation. I only got five minutes. Yeah, I've got down, Keith, on that one. Honestly, uh, I do not know the answer to that one. You don't know. Are you honest, yes. you, you're honest going to tell me a, a woman is attacked by a person who's going to rape her, and yes, you're going to sit here and say you don't think that she could do something like stomping on his foot so she can well, play? I didn't say that. I said I don't you said know you didn't that know. particular one. What's that now? I, I said I didn't. I don't know on that particular issue because there's a uh, just my own conscience. I okay, wonder, let me ask you. Let, okay, so let me ask you a, a second question. Yes, sir. Can a Christian woman use pepper spray to fend off a would-be carjacker who has the intentions of killing her and her children? Can she defend her children? against a killer by not she's not taking a gun and shooting him she's just going spraying with pepper spray well let me tell you i actually hold the view that a christian sins to use any weapon to cause bodily harm to a neighbor or an enemy it violates romans thirteen ten. Violates Matthew five. So a Christian woman can't even use pepper spray to to defend herself and her children. Well, they tell me that stuff hurts really bad. <laughs> well, uh, uh, hurting him is non-lethal. It's not going to kill him. He's going to try to kill her children. You won't even you you think that it's wrong for her to use a pepper spray? Let me ask you this: since you believe it's wrong for someone to to inflict bodily pain to someone. Can a Christian parent administer corporal punishment that is intentionally inflict hurt to a disobedient child? In other words, can a parent whip their child and administer pain to their child when they're being disobedient? Well, I, I think a parent can follow Proverbs chapter 13, 24 that says, if you spare the rod, you hate your son. But that's an Old Testament rod, and you said no, no that's, that's a general a proverb what you, what, what, is what we a think. general truth. Oh, okay. So it's okay to go to the Old Testament for corporal punishment for children. It's not okay to go to the Old Testament to show how a Christian can defend himself these days. Well, let me finish. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4 says fathers are to provoke their children not to wrath, but to bring them up in the training and administer of the Lord. And Hebrews 12, 7, Keith says, uh, if you're in their chastening, for what son is there who a father does not chasten? I believe Christians are authorized to uh, spank their children. Okay, I so so fact, a Christian they, can they must spank so their a children Christian can administer corporal punishment and inflict pain upon their child, but a Christian, in defense of themselves against a criminal who's going to rape them or kill them, can't even do something like stomp on their foot or spray them with pepper spray. This is the inconsistent logic. This is the inconsistent logic that the devil's philosophy of passivism, total passivism, uh, brings uh, brings about. Uh, he referred to what I said a while ago was coming from the devil, vice versa. 60 seconds, but, Keith. How 60 seconds? Yes. Uh, let me ask you this, another question. 
Yes, sir. Is it only bodily harm that you reject? Is it acceptable to harm someone emotionally? The passage, Keith, and you know this, Romans uh, 13.10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor. It doesn't specify uh, physical harm. It'd okay, so how about when the brethren at Corinth emotionally harmed the brother who was living with his father's wife whenever they with, withdrew from him and caused him to be overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, and he was harmed emotionally as a result of being withdrawn from him? Well, we both believe they sinned uh, because uh, they should have... The brethren sinned by withdrawing from... The, the, the church at Corinth sinned by withdrawing from the ungodly brother? No, sir. I thought you were, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking once he repented when they mistreated him by not accepting him back speedily and causing him more grief, Paul said. I thought you meant could we. Well, the, the, they, they, the, the original grief, when we withdraw from someone, we. That's a we, good thing. We, we bring emotional pain on someone. And so I, that's the reason why my point is, my point is this. Keith, I need to call time on you. Uh, okay. Uh, we're out, we're, I've gone a little bit fair, longer. Fair enough. Uh, let's I'm take, sorry. That's okay. We're uh, take, this we're, is just getting good. At, uh, I know, I appreciate we, we, it's, uh, we're constrained by time here pretty bad here tonight. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a short break and let you get your thoughts in in the chat room or over email tonight or over the phone. If you'd like to talk with our listeners on the our, our guest on the phone tonight, uh, we'll have a little bit of time when we get back to take your comments and your questions. So don't go anywhere. We're back. Going to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, and uh, we're enjoying the discussion between Rodney and Keith. And uh, we were just commenting during the break how easy this program has been for yeah, us. Yeah, we get, we usually have to do all the talking. We get to listen. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, you guys are carrying all the water for us. But thanks. Both Keith and Rodney, now... Uh, 
before we close out here, we want you to, if you've got a, a, a place where people can access, I know you've got tons of material on this, and, and we're just touching the hem of the garment, but we want you to be able to give your uh, your uh, contact info so people can get yeah, your. Yeah, we'll get that right. We'll, we'll get right that right at the end, so be ready to give it. Uh, I got Kevin, com- Kevin in Ohio just made a comment. He said, I appreciate both of these men for having a good debate on this topic. Very cordial, biblical, and clear in their arguments. If only all mankind could speak this way to one another when we hold diverse opinions or positions. So, comment, yeah. Uh, yeah. commendation of both of you guys, and we do appreciate uh, we you. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. We can discuss things that we don't agree about and, and do so in a, in, a, in a brotherly manner. Absolutely. I, I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, a couple questions that came to my mind, Rodney. Uh, one is, do you make any distinction between acting in, uh, because Keith has, act, has, has, I think, tried to specify, he's talking about criminal assault. Do you make any distinction in how a Christian would respond to criminal assault versus religious persecution? Or, or do you see that as all one area? The, the Bible doesn't make, the new covenant doesn't make that distinction. There's an example or two in the old covenant, but the new covenant doesn't make that distinction. Okay. Uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth that's found in Exodus, that's found in Leviticus, refers to criminal behavior. If two, right, if two men fight and hurt a woman, she goes into premature labor, she's, and she's fine, nothing happens, just the price the husband places on the offense. If she's harmed and the baby's harmed, the Bible says, well, then an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, if you uh, perpetrate violence, then you would be punished in the get the same thing that you've done to someone. I guess I'm saying that's the context of Matthew 5. The evil person is that criminal behavior. He's in those verses. Rodney, let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Do you have, would you make any distinction between self-defense and defending someone else? For instance. Uh, No, sir. You would. I do not. Okay. Okay, let let me ask in that context, and I've got a a follow-up question. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8 says, if any provides not for his own, he's denied defense worse than an infidel. How, How would you address, in other words, I'm a father, and I've got a wife and children, and uh, in the scenario that's been discussed tonight, someone breaks in and they're they're going to do bodily harm to my wife and children. Is there is there a is there an expectation that part of my provision for my family is to protect them from harm? How do you address that? Yes, sir. I think there is, and I think we see. I think we got good apostolic examples. I think Jesus did it. And the point I'm making is. You have to provide. You would agree that you can't go and steal because Ephesians 4.28 says, let him who stole steal. You couldn't go steal for your family, no matter how hungry they got. You couldn't go and ask your wife to, to, you know, to do something illegal or ask a a woman couldn't sell her body to provide for her family. And the point I'm making is we have to provide within the parameters of the scriptures. If God says you can't harm a person, and then he says, now take care of your kids. You have to, you know, we live by every word of God. You can't just uh, emphasize the providing without taking into the 
you must work that which is good, right? Let him who stole steal no longer, but let, rather let him labor work in that thing which is good. So you have to go get a good job. It's not just go provide. So there are parameters, and all I'm arguing is that we have to play by the rules, that if you showed a verse that said you could go and hurt somebody, then uh, you could, you'd have a verse that said you could provide harm. Okay, Keith, I, I understand your answer. Keith, let me ask you. You made some points about natural affection and, and said that we could learn from nature and protecting our own and that nature protects their own and we could protect our own as well. Uh, where do you draw the line on that? Because I've seen hens, when they're taking care of their chicks, do some pretty nasty things to the uh, the other chickens in the in the Amen. hen house. Uh, a bear would uh, steal food from another bear to feed his his cub, so or her cubs. Where do you draw that line? Well, the 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 line is drawn when you you step over and do something that's immoral. Uh, obviously, the example that Roddy brought up about someone stealing to feed their family or doing something else, killing someone to feed their family, that's the, that's the kind of moral dilemma that the, uh, the skeptics and the people who believe in situation ethics and things like that, uh, you know, uh, bring up. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of things out there. We're not, we're not animals. Uh, there's a lot of things that animals do that we're told, you know, not be animalistic. And, but that's take, but that, but that's taking the point to an, that's taking the example to an extreme. Okay. Stay, you know, stay within the con. You know, Paul talked about natural affection, natural affection. Now, and he talked about when people don't have it, there's something wrong with them. And whenever I teach about abortion, I teach people that who kill their babies don't have natural affection. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Justin. We're about out of time. Let me let me ask you one other follow-up question to that, Keith. You mentioned the the parable of the good man of the house that wouldn't suffer his house to be broken up if he knew that the thief was coming in Matthew 24. Is that not suffering to have his house broken up? Does that demand violent self-defense? No, not necessarily. Like okay, I said, right. there. Okay. You know, I, I I agree that there's many things we we can do, uh, and, and that includes calling the police. There's a lot a lot of things that that we can do. Right. But what happens when a person is pushed to the point where it's 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 going to be doing something that would harm someone physically, or even if you have to to stop someone. By taking their their lives to protect your family or to protect the the innocents, is that included in that list? I believe so. Okay. The young man up in Antioch, the, you had a, a, a terrorist who was going to a church building for the purpose of killing everybody in that building. When he walked in, he shot and killed a woman in the parking lot. Walked in the church building with two loaded guns and automatically. Uh, um, immediately wounded seven people. There was a young man, 22-year-old man, who rushed him and wrestled with him and was able to, you know, subdue the man without without killing him. I'm, I'm with that young man. I think he was a hero. 
nor for defending his brethren and stopping this killer. Okay, we're just about out of time. Uh, I got I got some questions for Rodney in the chat room. Rodney, uh, one person, I guess forty five ten says under Rodney's stand, a Christian cannot serve in the military to defend this country. That's a different topic for another day. He says a person can, or she says a person cannot interfere to save someone's life from a violent act. If a person does nothing to stop someone from killing him or her when they have the means to stop it, that would lead me to conclude that person is committing suicide. Someone else is doing the deed for him. I'm not sure I understand that comment exactly, but but I, basically, Rodney, I think that question is, if you saw someone doing harm to another individual, you do not believe you could intervene. Is that right? Yep. Yes, uh, because I think, again, the only strategies that we're authorized to do is what Jesus did, the apostles or disciples. And, uh, yes, I'd intervene if I could. Okay. In what way? To what extent? To what extent? You, uh, won't, you don't define that. I mean, to what extent would you intervene? Would you hit him with a baseball bat and knock him off the person? No, sir, because... Uh, would you kick him? No. Well, okay. So what if this person cannot, I mean, they're, they're mad, they're crazy, they're out of their mind. There's no way you're going to stop them without doing something physical to them. Well, I don't, I, I'm just, I can't read minds like that. Uh, and I'm being honest. I don't know you make them kind of determination spur of the moment. Just well, like you'll a make it if you ever find yourself in that situation, I guarantee you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just want to summarize. I, I think we, uh, I, I think I can speak for Keith and Rodney. We understand we're talking about extreme situations here, and we take different positions on what you would do in extreme situations. But I think all of us agree with the fact we're going to do everything in our power to avoid any such confrontation. I know Keith would say that. Keith, Keith takes a position that you could defend yourself, but obviously that's a last resort sort of thing. And we're not, we're not out there. Keith, I know you're not out there looking to find somebody that you can beat up or shoot. Uh, we're going to avoid that as, uh, with, with everything in us. We're talking about the extreme situation, uh, where there's no alternative other than to, 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 to take the harm or to cause the harm and, and so and, guys, and we're way over we're already over time yeah but we need to give you guys yeah. opportunities to tell our listeners about how they can find out uh, more yeah, about give us your contact your info so we'll start with you rodney yes uh my email address and i uh, is hampton rs at hotmail.com and i'd be glad to provide you a link where you can get my entire notes and actually a lesson that I recently did in Athens, I can provide you a link to hear my the my full argumentation where I've got adequate time. So All right, so that's Hampton, H-A-M-P-T-O-N-R-S, HamptonRS at Hotmail.com. Rodney is inviting you to email him if you'd like to get access to his information. Keith, have you got something? And yeah, mine is... Uh, can I just can I give my number just real quick? Sure, I don't sure, mind sure. a call. Yeah, good. 256-293-8754. 8754-256-293-8754. Okay, thanks. Please thanks, call. Right. All right, mine is uh, HamiltonKeith1956 at gmail.com. That's H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N-K-E-I-T-H. 1956 at gmail.com. That's Hamilton Keith, 1956. Yes, that is my age at gmail.com. <laughs> You're giving yourself away there, Keith. 
Hey, I've earned every bit of this gray hair. And thank Rodney for the, the place. I want people to understand that Rodney and I have a good relationship. We're we love friends. each other. I love his family. As a matter of fact, I invite him to come up to dinner uh, after we get through with this sometime and, and all. And I respect this man and, and his opinion. I just just disagree, but I, I respect him. Well, and, I, and, I, and I I love Keith. I appreciate his good attitude and well presenting his side. And it's mutual. I consider Keith a good friend and a good man. Great, man. We appreciate you both. And thanks for taking the time to be with us uh, tonight. on the Thank you all for making this. Thank you, guys, both of you. And there's a lot of interest. We've had a really good response in our uh, viewership and in our chat room. And uh, so you guys guys are on an important topic there, and we appreciate your work. All right. Thank you. All right, uh, all right guys. And uh, Dad, a really good discussion. And uh, yeah. we, we were open to more discussion from our listeners if they want to send us email. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk more about this in the future if we yeah. need to. But uh, these guys did a really good job presenting their case, they I did. think. Kyle, thank you for getting us on the air tonight. Comments from you? It was good. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, thank you for being here on the program, and we hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.